to our, our European friends that may be listening. It's good to be here. Um, I'm going to begin with prayer. That's okay. We, we commit this house to intercession, and I just feel like it's a good way to begin. Now, I'm not going to go into intercession. I promise. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I will. Take 30. That's right. Everybody get on their face. Father, we thank you for the privilege it is to, to meet, to gather together to worship. We thank you for the freedom that we have, the freedom in your spirit, the freedom in our nation. And Lord, I just, I ask you, Lord, that you would just come down, just visit us today in a powerful way. Lord, we, we honor you, we commit our lives to you, to serve you, and I just ask you, Lord, that from this house, that everything that is released through this house today would be the pure word of the Lord, the pure song of the Lord, that we would truly just mimic your throne and the angels at your throne. And Lord, I just ask for your Holy Spirit, I ask for your anointing, I ask that your anointing would would minister to your people today. And Lord, I just ask you that that your spirit would be with us. We thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for all things. And we just give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to talk this morning about the anointing and about the Holy Ghost. And... Um, you know, the, the Lord kind of hijacked my, my teaching yesterday, you know, how that can happen, when I came in to pray. And I'm just, I just want to give thanks. I just want to say how grateful and thankful I am. And I know you, you feel the same way, just about having the freedom and the privilege to come into this house or wherever God has you to, to pray and to partner with the Lord and to meet him. And... Um, Yesterday, I, when I walked in, I just literally just walked into like a cloud. And you know that when that happens, first of all, you don't want to leave. But second of all, you know that it has nothing to do with anything that you have done. And you just hold on to it with all that you are because to be in that presence is just everything. And, um, and so I just was really sensitive to hear what the Lord was saying. And, and I had been studying some of this that we're going to talk about today, just based on just where we are in the timeline of the Lord and in the world, and just trying to, as a prophetic one, as I'm sure all of you are, just be sensitive to, to glean what he's saying, what he's doing, and, um, and to hear him in a still, small voice. And so... this is where he led me. And um, it really kind of piggybacks on a vision that I had not long ago when I was in prayer. And um, I was in prayer and, you know, sometimes in prayer it's like the Lord will, will just bring um, some of the darkness, some of the chaos, you know, you step into that and, and, and you know that your intercession is, is having an effect on what we're up against. And, and then it just went still, and I had this vision of, 
of what it must have been when Noah released the dove after the flood. And the dove, you know, we know the story. You know, it re repeatedly it would come back and didn't have any place to put its feet. And then that time when it came back and it had the olive branch in its, in its mouth. And to me that spoke so much of where God has had us, his people, during this long extended season. And, you know, in the midst of the chaos and in the midst of just the turmoil that I think most of us have felt just in our spirits based on what's happening in the world, there's been such a, um, a precious presence of the Lord that is drawing us into a deeper place in Him, but also, at least for me, has been speaking of God doing a new thing you know, of new life, of, and maybe it, it, it has so much to do with this year of wisdom, where he is pressing us into us insisting on stepping into creative ways of his spirit, to be able to do things in a different way because we cannot do them the way that we did them before. And so in so many ways, for me, it's been kind of like a reboot. Like, I'm just like, just... Um, Everything that I do in the Lord, it's like he won't let me do it the same old way. And, and he's really just um, inspiring me by his spirit to press into new and creative ways, and I love that. But at the same time, we recognize that um, our identity is in the foundation of what he has built in us, what he has taught us, and, and what we have walked through with him over the last number of years. And so let me just set a foundation before we go into the anointing and say, you know, Psalms, in the book of Psalms, it says that God made known his ways unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. Moses was his friend. Moses was the prophetic one that was pressing in to hear what God was doing. And God made known his ways he didn't go after his acts. He went after his ways. But at the same time, we know that relationally, as we press into his ways and as we press in, you know, the, the, the ways of God is that word Derek. And it's literally the pathway. It's literally the journey. It is, it is us walking with the Lord in the direction, following him, and, and setting foot on territory. And through that, going into the promised land and taking dominion, taking our inheritance, um, but it is truly partnering or pressing into the knowing of the ways of God, which is his nature, his personality, his heart. And so for me, this last season, that has been just so much prevalent in that this is part of our journey. This season is part of our journey to know our Heavenly Father, to know the Lord Jesus Christ, but then also to know the Holy Spirit as a person, as the person of, of God and the anointing that flows through that. We've got to recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit. And, and we have to learn to recognize the move of the Holy Spirit and be ever aware of that in our being. And how do, how do we discover that? We discover his presence through commune. We discover his presence through, through prayer. Relationship is built through those things. And so um, 
You know, I, I just, I pray, Lord, never let us learn to pray without your presence. <laughs> Thinking that the, the discipline of it is what you're looking for. You know, and, and I think that even that's been touched upon us as a people. That we don't just go through the motions, that we don't just come up here because it's an obligation. But we come up here seeking after his presence, that we pray in his presence, that we go after his presence, and it's not just a discipline for us. Discipline plays an important part of our walk with the Lord. I mean, we're disciples, and that's where that all stems from. But Christianity, or walking with the Lord, was never to be known for its discipline. It was to be known for passion and for that relationship. Do you hear me? And I know I'm speaking to the choir. You know, Jesus said, some of the hardest words that he said was, if any man come to me, hate not his father and his mother, his wife and his children, his brethren, his sisters, you and in your own life also, you cannot be my disciple. Guys, that's passion. I mean, that, that is passion. And, and I have to say this too, and this is a quote from the, 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 the what do you call somebody that's passed on? Oswald Chambers, who's gone on to be with the Lord. He says, no man on earth has this passionate love to the Lord unless the Holy Ghost has imparted it to him. So we love him because the Holy, the Holy Ghost has shed his love upon our hearts. It's so important. I mean, that presence is so important. Romans 5.5, 5, and hope makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. It's the Holy Ghost. So discipleship means passion. It means personal devotion to the person of Jesus Christ. But there's a difference between being devoted to a person and being devoted to a cause. He didn't proclaim a cause here. He's calling for our devotion to him to his ways, to knowing his ways. And then we know just by virtue of experience and the goodness of God that is through that experience, through that pursuit of him, of knowing him, comes forth the moving in his exploits, the moving in his acts. So prayer. It's the ultimate expression of partnership with the Lord. And it's an adventure. You know, so many people spend their life praying to God when they really should be praying with God. And I love, I mean, goodness, the way the Lord has taught us and led us, and even in this season just highlighted this so much for us about prayer and supplication. That's exactly what that is. It's, it's you go before the Lord, you go into his heart, you commune with him. You meet with him in that place of need. And you begin to partner with him in that place as he begins to speak to you how he's going to bring provision, how he's going to bring supply. And that whole deasis that leads us into the, pro the, the prophetic release of our, our, our prophetic declaration or our prophetic prayer. But all, it all comes through that devotion and that relationship and it all comes through the anointing. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's why we pray in the Spirit. We pray in the Holy Ghost. He says, pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. It's so important. Amen?
So, so these days are very interesting, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the influences that we face, but I just want to tell you that God's doing good things. He's doing new things. There's good things happening, and I don't ever want us to get just wrapped up in just the doom and gloom of the end times or where we are because, goodness gracious, we win <laughs> in the end. So we should always be walking in that breakthrough and that victory for what God is doing. Amen? So, the dove with the olive branch, new things, and we'll talk a little bit about what that olive branch represents in a few minutes, but um, I want to go, I want to begin with this first passage that speaks of the days of Noah, if we can. Luke, Luke 17, beginning with verse 22. And he said unto his disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. Now, let me just ask you this. In your prayer, in your deliberation, in your just walking with the Lord during these, these challenging days, have you found just an incredible passion and an awakening to see the Lord? I mean, have you said, even so, Lord, come? When, Lord, are you coming? I know I have. Of course, not before your time, but I know that that is such a passion in my heart to long to see that day when we will see him, when he will appear upon the earth. These are the days of Noah, and that passion should be stirred. And they shall say to you, see here or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lighteth upon one part of the heaven shines unto the other part under the heaven, so also shall the Son of Man be in that day. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. Now, I know this was a long time ago when this was spoken, but do you sense that influence? Do you, do you sense the rejection? <laughs> do you sense the suffering? Whether it be against the Lord Jesus Christ and the presence of the spirit that's upon the earth, but against you and me as we move about as sons in Christ-like. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be also in the days of the Son of Men. They, sh they did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until that day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And I just want to address this to say, so much of this to me speaks of this day. People are absolutely oblivious to God and to his presence. Right? I mean, they're eating, they're drinking, they're, of course, wearing masks. But... <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's really unbelievable how unaware and how anti the world has become. Either that or the voice has just gotten so much louder. But it is what it is. And we are truly in these days of Noah. But the work of Christ is at hand, and you and I are walking in it, and we are, um, as, as, as anointed sons, God said he would never bring the flood upon the earth again. He would never destroy the earth that way. He is a God of restoration. 
And so rather than praying that a flood would come and just wash us all away, but we're going to build a boat, or we're all going to stay in the sanctuary and it's just going to be shielded, we pray for that flood of heaven to come down and just flood this earth. That is our prayer. That is the restorative work of the Lord. And so that, that of course, is our prayer. So we are in those days. We are in the days of Noah. And um, that's part of, I think, why the Lord allowed me to have that vision to see just the hope but also to see the, the, the olive branch that's in his mouth is very much a message to us of who we are before the Lord as anointed ones, but what it requires is the pressing. And the, the pressing so that that olive, will, that, that olive the, the oil will flow through. It will. It will flow through us. Amen? Amen. So we're going to segue and we're going to talk um, about the baptism of our Lord Jesus, and, and we're going to talk, talk about it from the perspective of this is when he became Christ. This is when um, he stepped into his role here upon the earth as the anointed one. But I want to begin just by, by speaking um, out of Isaiah 64, verse 1. I think, did I put on there verse 1 through 5? Just verse 1. And this is, um, you know, we talked about this a couple of years ago when we were really focusing on heaven. And um, Isaiah says, Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. And I know that there's a lot of meaning into that. But what I want to focus on in regard, in the context of what we're talking about, is the heavens rending and him coming down. And how that prophecy really was fulfilled here in, in the book of Mark and also the book of Luke and the book of Matthew when Jesus went to John and was baptized. But I also hearken to a song that we listen to regularly because we listen to Rick Pino about 50% of the time. <laughs> and he sings the song about rend the heavens, rend my heart. And, and I just, I just want to overlay that as we go into this understanding of what happened here because, you know, I'm looking at this and I see how incredibly relational it is. For It was for Jesus and it is for us because we do ask that the Lord would rend the heavens, but we also ask that he would rend our hearts and that his spirit, you know, just like we said, that Holy Spirit would be shed abroad upon our hearts. And, and take us into that place of where the Holy Spirit anoints us to step into our role as sons in the fullness of what that is. And I can tell you this, and maybe I'm sure that you've joined me in this, but I'd say probably at least for a year, a year and a half, I come into this sanctuary and I have been pretty close to begging God to pour out his spirit upon us. I mean... As in Joel, as in the book of Acts, Lord, pour out your spirit upon all flesh. Pour out your spirit upon us. And I believe that's really where we are. So let's look at the baptism. And we're going to look at Mark. Mark 1, beginning with verse 9. And it said, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. Now, in the book, in the book of um, Luke, it says, 
it descended in the bodily shape like a dove. So whether or not it was actually, I mean, it looked like a dove. It rested upon him. Um, so it is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And there came a voice from heaven, which is our Father, saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, I think I know for me, when I envision this, I've always envisioned this as just a really peaceful, serene moment. I don't know why. I guess because the Holy Spirit is a symbol of peace, and I just, I just, I just, Maybe I've seen the movie or whatever, but I mean, I just have always envisioned it. But one thing that I think that we studied when we were talking about rending the heavens, this word, when the heavens opened, is the same word that was used when Jesus was on the cross. Did I give you that passage in Matthew 3? Is that on your sheet? Let me just read it to you. And then, I'm sorry, Matthew 27. It said, Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent. Same word. So the veil was ripped in half from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. So rocks literally split in half. And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept, they awoke and they arose. And came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Can you imagine that? Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. So, you know, this was no small thing. I mean, this was a violent act. And I have to think that when the heavens opened, it was the same thing. Because what was happening here is this violent act, particularly when Jesus went to the cross, was in response to the injustice of what was happening. And, and the veil being rent, giving us access into the Father so that every one of us could step into our role as anointed sons. But what was happening there with Jesus on the cross was the fulfillment of it, but in the baptism... This was the moment where Jesus said yes to the commissioning of the Father, and he became the anointed son. And it was, I just have to believe that, you know, heaven invaded earth through the humility of, of the son. And heaven opened, you know, it split. And this violent act happened, and the Holy Spirit came down and it rested upon him. And the Father said, I am well pleased. And to me, that just speaks so much. That just speaks volumes to me of the whole relational aspect of this. The Father is pleased by the fact that his son that he sent has accepted this very, very difficult commission. Not only for himself, but knowing that he would go to the cross one day and he would make a way for all of us to walk in that same anointing. Because what was going to happen, it's the anointing. It's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, it's just, to me, it's just like that whole principle of agape. God, God is love. And, and, you know, it's not about just curling up and dwelling in his 
his love. That is the doorway for us. And we enter into his heart. We, we, we accept the commission that he's given to us. He commissions us. He gives us our assignments. We come forth from that fully engaged, fully committed through our relationship with him and fully anointed. It's the anointing of sonship. And that whole violent move, that whole violent act is really where the heart meets purpose. And it yields the anointing, the anointing of sonship for us to have an effect upon this earth. We've got to have the anointing. So tearing of the heavens was in itself an act of the ultimate grace and glory as Christ became the anointed son. And it resulted in this violent move or spiritual force of darkness suffered serious consequences. It was the beginning of that. As the man Jesus was clothed with heaven, thoroughly equipped for the purposes the Father had for him here upon the earth. And that equipping, guys, was really a foretaste, a prophetic foretaste of what would soon be made available to us as sons of God, as joint heirs with Christ, called to do the greater works. When he went to the cross and that veil was rent and we stepped into that place. And so the Lord says to you, I am pleased. I am delighted with you. And, and just know that, that, that your mission is to be Christ-like. Your mission is to walk in that anointing. So let's talk about Christ. Let's talk about, and this is an old teaching. This is an old study, but we're just going to touch on it just so that we have a full understanding, maybe for some that are listening that have not actually done that study. Um, so the anointing of God is the creo, um, or the chrisma. And it, 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 there's two words, creo and creomai. And they literally mean, as a verb, to rub or to smear with oil, okay? And it's the oil that's pressed, right? So it, the oil has been pressed. We have to go through that process. And it comes from the word chair or chair, which literally means the hand or the hollowness of the hand or the grasping of the hand. And from that, it comes from shimon or chimon, which literally means storm, winter, or wind. And from that, it comes comes chasma, which is a vacancy or a gulf. So did you get all that? <laughs> I know you guys know all this, but um, just to, to lay the foundation. And this is where Christos, or Christ, comes from. And so Jesus was empowered by the Spirit of God. He stepped into this, this, this anointed place. And we know by virtue of the passage in Luke 4, the ministry of Christ, he was empowered by the Spirit of the Lord. That's the spirit, that's the pneuma curio, and that, that, that was in order for him to move in the power of sonship, and it comes from kairios, 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 is that, the, is that how you say it, kairos, kairios, I need to work on my Greek, which literally means to be supreme in authority, to be, to have dominion, kurios, curio, thank you, I knew that didn't sound right. But I've got K-Y-R-I-O-S. Yeah, so my typo. Anyway, and it's the root, well, no, it is K-Y-R-I-O-S, supreme in authority, dominion, and the root comes from Kyrios, which means Lord, which utilizes the Kratos power. Yay. So he's king of kings, lord of lord. 
We are called to rule and reign with him. So as we inhabit this position of lordship with the Jesus, with Jesus, we're entrusted with a strong degree of authority and responsibility as we have this unconditional commitment to the ways of God. This is your textbook. And so really this was the beginning of the mission of Jesus of, uh, as he became the Christ to redeem mankind to God. And he patterned this walk for us of sonship. Um, yeah, so we grasp the hand of the Almighty we agree to partner with his hand, which often is empty, or most often is empty, to believe for the, the miracle. We collaborate freely with whatever measure of service that he is requiring of us, and then we, as being Christ-like, move forward in obedience in the power of that anointing that's invested for the completion of the task that God's given us. He's not going to ask us anything he's not going to do, anything he's not going to anoint us to do. Amen? And this is the way that we partner with him. And so I, I, I think I, I read this quote in um, one of maybe pastor's book called Christ that says, Jesus Christ, Christ is not just his last name. However, I think most of the church might think that. <laughs> um, there's so much to that, that title. Jesus means Savior and Lord, and Christ is the anointed one. And so he made way for us to walk in this same anointing. Aren't you thankful? There's, there's really um, a point to all this. And so we know the ministry of Christ. So, 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 so Jesus goes under the water. He gets baptized. The dove descends. The heavens open. The Spirit comes down, and it's dwelling upon him. And then what happens? It says the Spirit immediately cast him into the wilderness for the temptation. He goes through 40 days of fasting. He goes through the wilderness. It's kind of like the baptism was the prophecy. The wilderness was a sila, and then we have him. He goes to the temple when he comes through the wilderness, and he speaks that powerful passage um, out of Luke 4, 14. It says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee, and there went out of fame him throughout all the region round about. So he's the same guy. He's, he's fully man, fully God, went through the wilderness, got baptized, went through the wilderness, and came out, and, and when he returned, he was moving in the dunamis of the Spirit. And then he goes into the temple, he opens the book, and he, he speaks the prophetic words of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. He's creoed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set the liberty to sit at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book, gave it to the minister, sat down, and all the eyes were upon him in the synagogue. They were fastened upon him, and he began to say unto them, This day, then, is Scripture fulfilled. So this was his first, you know, official public ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him. And, and the thing that I, that I love about this whole equation is the dependence that Jesus had on the anointing as a man. He knew to fulfill his mission, was to, which was to finish his father's work. He needed the Holy Spirit. He needed the anointing. He was very reliant upon that. 
And his need for the anointing should really stir us for that same the same desire for the same anointing. The Holy Spirit's presence upon us to do what our Father has assigned for us to do. We need to be clothed with the Holy Spirit for supernatural ministry. Do you believe that? Do you believe that we are embarking upon supernatural ministry? This earth is going to see the moving of the Spirit, and he's going to see it through you. Can I get an amen? To be the change and to partner in the restorative work here upon the earth, we have to have the anointing. We know that in the Old Testament, the priests were anointed for service. And according to Jesus' example, that ministry is the same for us. We are kings and priests here upon the earth. And it's the anointing that brings the supernatural, enabling him to do what he saw his father doing, because the Holy Spirit revealed the Father to Jesus, and it's the same with us. Look at John 14, 25 through 27. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the, com but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. I am so thankful for that. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This is the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you this right now, spirits of hell are at war against this anointing. For without the anointing, we are no threat to him. Because we can do nothing of ourselves. He's not threatened by you coming to church, even though that's a good thing. He's even not even threatened, really, by you saying, I'm a Christian. He's not threatened by you posting something on social media about Jesus. <laughs> He's threatened by your spirit-empowered intercession. He's threatened when you allow that anointing, that Holy Spirit, that God has given you for a specific task, to move powerly, powerfully through you. You know, Jesus had a lot of compassion, and he was loved for that, and his humility was reverend. But it was his anointing, the anointing of God that released the supernatural, that brought the change, that stirred things up in the religious world, that caused the rejection of the religious leaders. Because that's what empowers the miraculous. Amen? If that were not the case, why would the impardonable sin be what it is, which is blasphemy? Let's read Matthew 12, beginning with verse 30. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathered not with me scatters abroad. Wherefore, I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaks against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. So, blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, that deliberate rejection of Christ and the work of Christ, because the work of Christ is not only the miraculous, but it, it's what makes way for salvation of men and for men to step into sonship. 
It's the Holy Ghost that brings the opportunity to the heart of men. So to reject him is to reject God. The fullness, you know, God's plan to reject the Holy Ghost, to reject the very nature of God and his grace and his work of redemption and restoration. Amen? Amen. So let's talk about, let's, let's just talk about the function of, of the power of the Holy Ghost. And we're going to do it in, um, you know, you can't live in this day and not address the day. So we're, we're just going to do it in a way that, that really speaks into our function as we're living in this day. Okay? There's so many different directions you can take with this, but this is where the Lord led me. And we're going to start where, where, where Jesus where Peter is speaking, his witness, his testimony of, of the Holy Ghost upon Jesus and the power of that. So let's read Acts 10, beginning with verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that fears him and works righteousness is accepted with him. Now I'm just going to stop right here. You know, I think that that passage addresses the racial issue. It's not about your color. It's not about where you're from. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about who you are in God. Right? God is no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of race. He's no respecter of color. He's no respecter of where you came from, how much money you have, what color you are, what you do for, he's no respecter of any of that. But in every nation, it's about whether you fear the Lord and you work righteousness, and that is who accept, is accepted by him. Who cares if you're accepted by the rest of mankind, right? It's about being accepted by him. That's a freebie. <laughs> The word which God sent unto his children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. The word I say, ye know, which was published throughout all of Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed or creoed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with dunamis. And he went about doing good. I think that's kind of funny. It's good. I mean, I just think that's just so, it's so profound because it's so simple. He went about doing good. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things which he did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all men, but unto the witnesses chosen before God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained of God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through the name whosoever believes in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word, and they of, they of the circumcision which, which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they heard them speak with tongues, and did magnify God. I, I love this because this is the power of testimony. This is the power of being the witness. At, you know, in our identity as sons, 
as we stand before crowds or wherever God sends us out and we speak witness of the anointed son who through the Holy Ghost and through power became the son and ushered us into that place of sonship but as we testify of that the Holy Spirit came and it poured itself on all of them I just I, I love that you know God doesn't have to try to do supernatural things. God is supernatural. And whenever he's invited, whenever we, we carry him, wherever we are hosting him, and we welcome the testimony of who Jesus Christ is and the testimony of what he has done and the empowerment that he has given us by virtue of what he has done for us to step into that measure of anointed sons, when he's invited, we should expect nothing but supernatural invasion from heaven. If it happened then, it can happen now. We are called to be Christ-like. We are called to be joint heirs with Christ. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians 4.19, My little children, whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. And, you know, I, that's such a simple passage, but that's so profound because that's the heart of the apostle for us. And it's so much, um, you know, what does this mean for us? Until Christ be formed within you. Let's look at Galatians 2.20. This is what it means to be christ in you I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live not I but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me I do not frustrate the grace of God <laughs> you ever pray that Lord forgive me for frustrating the grace <laughs> for it right for if righteousness come by the law then Christ is dead in vain and so to be Christ's life, I mean, it literally means that, first of all, um, he is formed in us. We come before, you know, he, he addresses them as little children. We come before him as a child, and he will begin to show us something that is void or empty, you know, that empty hand. And, and he begins to show us what he wants us to do on behalf of that, how he's going to move. We put our hand just like a child does in the hand of the Father in his hand, and we believe like a child. But what it, but, but what it requires is everything. To be Christ-like, we have to submit ourselves to that process, that pressing, so that that oil can be applied where we embrace um, we embrace him and we, we receive the task and then we go forth in it. Amen? So let's look at 2 Corinthians 1. Established, anointed, sealed, and endued. You know, especially in the day that in the atmosphere that we're living in, when truth is being contested, false doctrines, false teachers, false prophets, false Christ. We, you know, we, you may say this is old news, but guys, this is current news. Christianity is being bombarded with the doctrine of progressive Christianity, which totally disputes the, the literacy of the scriptures. 
I mean, that is a very real thing, a very real thing. I talked to Noah yesterday. He's in, he's in California, and in our conversation, I always say, what are you reading? Because <laughs> he doesn't have a job yet, so he reads and um, surfs. <laughs> but um, th maybe this was a couple of days ago, and he began to tell me that he had just started a Bible study that the pastor of, of the church where he's a part of and the associate pastor asked him and a couple of his roommates, he, he's living with some really just amazing young men, um, to, do a, to do a Bible study with them. And, and the Bible study is all about the doctrine of truth, of Scripture. Because I know that I've been to that church enough times, and I know the last few times that I was there, this whole atmosphere that, that it's invading college campuses. It's invading that generation, and it's scary. And, and, and so he, they felt led. I guess they targeted Noah and these other young men as leaders that says, we're going we're gonna to dissect Scripture, and we're gonna, you're going to know truth from Scripture. And I so much appreciate that. Not just, not just the initiative of it, but the hunger in those kids to want to not be pulled away by this wind, every wind of doctrine. And that was a scripture that he used because he showed me the book and it was like this big. <laughs> and he said, I don't want to be pulled away by every wind of, of doctrine. Amen? And so we need to believe for that and we need to be teaching our young people. Um, and we are. Thank God for this house and for the Nematicos understandings of this house. Amen? Amen. So let's, I may have gotten ahead of myself here, but let's, let's look at, uh, is that 2 Corinthians 1, 18? But as God is true, our word towards you was, was not yea and nay. And th this was um, Paul trying to assure the people that he, uh, his trip got hijacked. And he was trying to assure the people that, that what he was coming to speak to them and to teach them and what he represented just because he was not able to be there was still yea and amen, right? And so said he says, but as God is true, our word towards you was not yea and nay. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen. Amen? Amen. Unto the glory of God by us. Now he which established us with you in Christ, and this really to me speaks so much of our network, and the anointing that flows through our network because we are established together under the apostolic covering. And has anointed us, us, in is God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. And so, you know, the apostolic message that the Lord, ha you know, leads us through, that we are under, um, it, you know, as we abide in him, as we abide in his word, as we commit ourselves to the message that he has given to us, we are strengthened in the anointing, and we are established in him through the sure and powerful word of who he is, through the truth. And we need that anointing. 
because that's the anointing that we will release when we go forth and establish other houses of the saints. But it's found in the unity in Christ as we come together. Do you see that? And we are sealed. It is deeply, we are deeply impressed in our hearts in truth. And through that unction, we know and we preach truth. And we're preserved by it from the falsity of every other kind. Because these are very real influences. Let's look at unction from the Holy Ghost to know the truth. 1 John 2, 20 through 29. But ye have an unction, and this is charisma, and it's a derivative. It's the, um, it's the noun of the anointing. From the Holy One, and this is the hagios hagios. So you have a double issuance. You have, you have an unction, an anointing from the hagios hagios, from the saintly saintly. And ye know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it. And that no lie is of a truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. Whosoever denies the Father and the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you. Let that foundational truth abide in you. That ye which have heard from the beginning, which we have been taught from the beginning in the, in the Nematocos way. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall abide in you, ye shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that, that he has promised us eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abides in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is the truth, this is the spirit of truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him. When he shall appear, we may know, we may have confidence, and not be ashamed for him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. So, we, Pastor, I think, has taught on this passage. In fact, I remember um, this charisma, charisma, it is the anointing, it is the unction, it is the endowment that comes through that rubbing of the oil. And it is the marking of God that is upon us that's recognized in the spirit realm that literally gives us permission and authority and power to act upon his intended purpose. This is the anointing that he has given to us through the message of truth. And we have to recognize that that anointing is so powerful that we have received from him. It is so much greater than the deception that lives around us. Amen? It touches us in all that we need to know. He doesn't mean that we don't need to hear teaching. But we need to hear, we don't need to hear. This was way back when the Gnostics and, and there was different doctrines that were threatening. But we have the same situation in our day today. And so we need to be very careful what we're being taught. We still are students. We're still being taught in truth. But it, we're being taught through the anointed truth of the, Son of the Son of God, the anointed one, the Christ. 
Amen? Does that make sense? Amen. You know, we, you know, I talked about being aware. Awareness is really key. And we, we you know, I, and I'm speaking to myself, need to heighten my awareness of his presence. He dwells in us. We commune and we abide in him. But to be aware at a conscious level, it's so vital in our partnership with him. You know, he is God with us. He is Emmanuel. And David, when he cries out in, in one of the Psalms, he says he cries out for the living God. Hebrews 5.14 speaks as of be, us being able to discern good and evil through our senses. We've got to allow every part of our being to be alive and aware. Immersion is the discovery of God's presence upon us as his spirit gives without measure and will come against anything that is contrary to him and his truth. Let's read Ephesians 5, 15 through 20. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because they are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what, it, what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is, is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your own hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for things unto God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So let's talk a little bit about the Antichrist, just for a second. You know, the Antichrist is one of the seven principalities that, that rebelled against Satan. And the Bible says that there's many Antichrists that are operative in the world today, these demonic influences that literally stand against the progression of the church. They stand against the, the progression of the, the move of the saints. Um, and they really will do anything to keep people from being Christ-like. From accepting the commission to receiving the anointing and to go full and fulfill their calling in the midst of that anointing. And once again, he's not threatened. He's threatened by the anointing. The, the influence of the Antichrist, you know, it, the, the, the Bible says that it comes from within the church. But the influence will attempt to cause the church to accept any other position than which, what is called of the Father by offering pleasing substitutes for that point of obligation. You guys, we got to be careful about this. He opposes the spirit of holiness and adoption and, and opposes our development and our own ongoing demonstration of the ministry of the saints. And the, the Old Testament spe is spoken of as Belial, and it means wickedness, worthlessness, and without profit. We can have no company with Belial. And what does it do? I mean, have you seen this? Have you felt this? Have you heard this in this day? Undermining the apostolic leadership? Have you heard that lately, over the last year or so? That's the spirit of Antichrist coming from within the church. He also makes you feel like what you do is of no profit. It is worthless. It, it doesn't matter. Have you felt that? 
And I, th- you know, I think we as a people, as a church, we have to be really careful of this in this time. Because we're in this quarantine where, and we're all establishing these altars, or we have in our homes, we're praying in our homes, we're, you know, we're really living up to the expectation, I think, that the Father has, but it's really easy to, we don't want to miss. We want to remain faithful to the calling, and, and we don't want to become lazy, and we don't want to become worn out, and that's another influence that he brings upon us, but um, we just have to be really careful of this this influence. John 4, 1 through 6. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out to the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. How do you know the spirit of Antichrist? By knowing the Spirit of God. (laughs) Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, and every spirit that confesses not that Jesus has come in the flesh, is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, wherein ye have heard that it should come, even now already. It is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and ye have overcome them, because greater is you that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of, not of the, they speak of the world, and the world hears them. Do you hear those voices? We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us, and he that is not of God hears not us. Hereby know ye the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You know, the power comes when we are witnesses, when we die to ourselves in order to obey the calling and the purpose of our Heavenly Father. And um, we've got to stand against this because we have much work to do. Amen? Amen. Okay. I'm going to just address the anointing in the Old Testament before we close. Um, because I think it's important for this day and time. You know, the, the anointing in the Old Testament, it's Mashah, 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 and it, it's the same. It, it means Messiah or Christ, and it literally means to rub or to anoint with oil. And we know that kings and priests and prophets were all anointed by God for the task that God had given to them. Um, Saul was anointed by Samuel. David was anointed by Samuel. Both instances said when they were anointed, the spirit of the Lord of Yahweh came upon them from that day forward. And so God never gives us a commission that we are not anointed to accomplish by his Holy Spirit. But I, I want to address something. I, I, you know, this is, this is a weekend where we focus on our nation. And this is not a political teaching. So just know that that's not where I'm going with this. But um, we're all familiar with Cyrus, who was the king of Persia, a non-Israelite, a foreigner, who God raised up as, as his appointee and anointed for a specific task, handpicked by God to orchestrate the deliverance of the Jews from Babylon, Babylonian captivity. And the first year that he was king, he, he was prompted by God to decree the temple in Jerusalem be rebuilt and the Jews return to their land to rebuild it. To the extent of bringing back the sacred vessels from the first temple. So God anointed him. He was not necessarily a godly man. He worshipped pagan deities. Um, he was basically a heathen king. 
But the Lord pinpointed him, and here's what the Lord said in Isaiah 45. Thus says Yahweh, so it was the plan of God, to his anointed. So he called him his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee, and I will make the crooked places straight, and I will break in pieces the gates of brass, and cut in sunder the bars of iron, and I will give thee treasures of darkness, and hidden riches in secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob my servant, and Israel mine elect, I have called thee by name, I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. And so, you know, for the doctrine of the people, I'm sure this kind of messed them up a little bit. <laughs> but God's plans are always on time. They are always strategic. He foreordains his vessels that he wants to use for, for a specific time in history, and Cyrus was that man. And he fulfilled the plan under the anointing of Yahweh through the power of God. He got the task done. The choices, the characters, the methods, and the means will not always align or fit into our mold of thought or reason, but it's God's way and God's way's best. But what we have to do is just be sensitive to the times and the seasons and to the presence of the Lord, and as God raises ones up, he will preserve and he will deliver. If you do not see that our nation during the last election, desperately needed to be delivered from moral depravity. Do you know what I'm talking about? And God raised up a president, and I'm not, I, I know it's been prophesied that our president has the Cyrus anointing. That is not my prophecy. We all heard it. But I will quote something from the prophetic word that was given. God is raising up a chaos candidate set apart to navigate us through the chaos coming to America due to a shaking that we need because our country was heading to hell in a handbasket. I mean, you think about sexuality and abortion and, you know, like I said, this isn't going to be a political rant, but I'm saying that our country had fallen into the worst state of moral depravity that, I, as I've, known, that I've known, and I'm so old. <laughs> I've lived for so many years. But so the Lord perhaps raised up a businessman that was not political. He was a foreign order politics. Raised him up because we needed a fighter. We needed a defender. We needed somebody to deliver us from the moral depravity that we were headed down. Do you believe that? And so what has happened since then? over the course of this last season. The enemy has not held back to try to get him out of office. But he, if he is God's anointed, like Cyrus, God is in control of that. But what do we need to do? And we're going to continue reading. Let's read um, beginning with verse 5. I am Yahweh, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. Does that sound familiar? 
that they may know from the rising of the sun from the west that there is none beside me. I am Yahweh and there is none else. I form the light and create the darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Drop down ye heavens from above and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open and let them bring forth salvation and let righteousness spring up together. I, Yahweh, have created it. Woe unto him that strives with his maker. Let the potsherd strive in the potsherd of the earth. Shall the clay say unto him that fashioned him, What makes thou? Or thy work? He hath no hands. Woe unto him that says unto his father, What begettest thou to the woman? What hast thou brought forth? And this is the verse I want us to recognize. Very familiar. Verse 11. Thus says Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel, his maker. Ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. Command ye me. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even I, in my hands have stretched out the heavens and all their hosts have I commanded. I have raised him up in righteousness and I will direct all of his ways and he shall build my city and he shall let go of the captives for the price, not for price nor reward, says the Lord of hosts. Now, before we talk about the ask of me, I want us to also look at Psalm 2. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, and they shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O you kings. Be instructed, O you judges of the earth. Serve Yahweh with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed all are all they that put their trust in him. This is our responsibility. And then again in Acts, Peter speaks of the same thing. And as he's encouraging the people, you know, he's, he's contesting, you know, why are the heathen raging against Christ? Why are they raging against the move of the Lord? This is the, the day that we're living in. Why are they, why is this happening? Well, our responsibility as intercessors is to ask of him. And, and this is our old familiar topic of Sha'al. And it literally is partnering in a measure of positioning and entitlement in inner commune between us and God. It's like that inner mantle that's upon the shoulders of authority that uncovers those hidden places in the spirit and moves, upon, moves on on behalf of God in the gates of hell. The Sha'al will ask of God... Through placement as a son, what can I do? How, and this to me is so much about us inquiring of, as asking. It's like the deasis. It's like supplication. It's, a, it's like us going into his heart in the midst of the most chaotic times and asking of him, making petition. By virtue of our positioning with him, and our intimate, our intimate relationship with him and allowing that inner mantle of, of authority that's upon us through that relationship, command, prosuke, speak forth what God intends to see happen. So these next couple of months are going to be critical for us as a church. Critical. Because if we believe that, that, that our leader of this nation has been appointed by God, 
we need to be in intercession. We need to be asking of God. We need to be standing in that place of Sha'al in our relationship, and we need to be making supplication, and we need to be pulling out from his heart exactly the way he wants us, exactly the way he sees this happening or the way he has intended this to happen. And we need to be speaking it forth prophetically. Our intercession is so crucial. It is so important. But you know what? We have been anointed. And, and, and we are, we are Christ-like. We, we have been anointed to, to move in the power of the Lord. And, you know, going back to the whole vision of the dove with the olive branch in his leaf, God's going to remember his children. Those who have trusted in his son and declared righteousness have moved with the, with the king of saints that have moved forth with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And his plan isn't just to bring another flood or to swoop down on this cursed earth, but to bring a flood of glory upon this earth to restore it. He will vanquish the curse. And he will bring restoration to his creation. That is the work of Christ. That is the work of the anointed son. That is the gospel of hope. It is about restored body, restored creation through the work of the anointed son. And that is the anointing that's upon you and upon me. So we need to remember during these times of darkness that although it's not easy and the, the, the circumstances feel very, very difficult, there's a lot of suffering, there's a lot of hardship, God has anointed us to, to, to fulfill his mission. And, and we just need to stand faithful as children um, and, and just take his hand and walk in that place as sons with him. So that is the conclusion of this teaching. Father, I just thank you for your, your word. I thank you for all that you intend to do today and we just give you glory in all that we do and all that we say in Jesus name can I tell you a funny story I was I was um, I was studying a lot this week and I had to go pick up my niece Alex you all know Alex and her husband Shane and their baby Liam from the airport a couple days ago and they were flying in from Love Field. And I, because my car's small, I had to go get Shane's car and, and drive the car to the airport to pick them up. And I had been studying about the anointing. I'd been studying about um, just the spirit of the Lord. And, you know, I've been praying about this for months and months and months. And, and so I'm driving to Love Field, and I, I'm just like in the spirit. I don't have any music on. I'm just totally in the spirit. And just enjoying my drive, just being out of the house. And the Spirit of the Lord just came into the car. And I got so overwhelmed with the presence of the Lord. And then I realized I was driving by the hospitals. You know, the Children's Hospital and the UT Southwestern, whatever the, all those big hospitals are over there in that area. So I drive by them, and the Spirit of the Lord came on me, and the Lord said, I want you to speak healing into those hospitals. Because I so much believe that this COVID virus is from the devil. And I so much believe that God wants to anoint us to address this virus and see it dissolve. I believe that. So I'm driving and the spirit comes upon me. And it, I mean, and I just start speaking in, you know, speaking healing by the spirit of the Lord. And I just almost had to pull over. I mean, I was just so overwhelmed by the spirit of the Lord. 
And I just start, started speaking healing to those people that had coronavirus, to all the children that are sick, you know, to everything that I could think of that needed a touch from the Spirit of the Lord. And I knew that God was touching them. Because it's Him. He's just looking for a vessel. So I pass on, and the Spirit, you know, I get close to the airport, and the Spirit starts to lift a little bit. I pull up, pick them up, they get in the car. We're driving back to, to, to their house. And I began to tell him the story. I said, you don't believe what just happened. I said, I was just driving over here, and the Spirit came into the car, and I just began speaking healing to, you know, COVID-19. I just was just addressing it by the power of the anointing. And, and so I get close to the airport, and all of a sudden I hear this honking. I'm still in the car by myself. I kind of messed up the story. I hear this honking, and I'm like, what is that? And I look to my left, and there's this car pulling up next to me, and there's these two men in the car. And they're like moving their hands like this. And, and, you know, just like I couldn't tell what they were doing. I thought, well, maybe they're flirting. And, you know, what, what the heck? And so I just kept trying to ignore them, and they kept honking. So I looked over to my left, and the passenger guy rolled his window down. And he's like got this big smile on his face. And the driver is like cussing me out. Like giving me the finger and just cussing me out. And I thought, what did I do? So it shook me, and I wanted to hate them for a minute. You know that feeling that you get? It's just like, how dare you? But then the Lord said, you just bless them. You bless them, you bless them, you pray for them. And so they, they, they cut off, you know, they almost cut me off, and they went ahead. And I'm trying to pray for them. And it just kind of, you know, it just, the, the, the feeling just kind of went away. I pull up, I get Alex and Shane in the car. We're driving back. So I began to tell them the story, and I said, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, I, you know, I was praying, and I was just releasing the anointing and the healing over the hospitals, and, and then these, people, these guys pulled up, and they're just like railing me out like profanity, and, and, and I just thought, that is the enemy. That is the enemy that hates the anointing. That is the enemy that hates the anointing. And so I'm just like, like wow. I mean, I just saw it in vivid color. And then Shane says, do you think maybe it's the Trump pent sticker on the back of my car? <laughs> Which I didn't know was there. And I thought, oh. But, you know, it could have been both, right? It could have been both. But anyway, so that's my story. So you guys be blessed and um, have a wonderful day and walk in the anointing. The presence of the Lord is here. The Holy Spirit is resting upon you. God has anointed us as sons to do great things. And so just walk in that. Amen? Amen.